Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. this reading from the gospel account of John chapter 11 verses 17 through 35. When Jesus arrived he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem some two miles away and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. Please be seated. So today starts the beginning of a new worship series for this month here in Crozet. And our series is about death and dying. And at the risk of that sounding very morbid, I think that it's time that we have this conversation. The idea emerged after six months of encounters and experiences, people relaying fears and troubles and concerns and a desire to know what death is like and what do we do with it when we encounter it. And so we've started this series and it will run for the next three Sundays after this one to help us to remember Just what exactly it is that the scriptures say about death and dying? What does our theology, what does our doctrine say? What is it that God would have us know? Because the longer we live, the more we will come into contact with death. And the more it will begin to affect us. And unfortunately, we live in a secular society that has not made us feel really good about death. In fact, there's this entire genre of cinema about how scary and horrifying death is. Not helpful. 
And of all of my studies of world religions, I have to tell you that of all the people, of all the religious people in the world, Christians should not fear death. Our theology and our understanding of what God has told us is happening in death is powerful, and yet there is hope and comfort to be had. And it is my duty to ensure that God's message is received to you, that you understand that God has something to say, and that is that death is not our end. So as we explore these texts, I hope that you will remember that this is a safe place. This is a sacred space where any emotion and any feeling, no matter how buried or repressed they may have been, are welcome here. There is no inappropriate reaction to talking about this. There is nothing that you should feel concerned or embarrassed about, that this is where God has told us that we may come, lay our burdens down, be open and authentic, and be healed. So as we begin this series, I commend that truth to you, to me, to all those who will hear, to know that God wants us to look beyond death into an incredible promise. So I've had a lot of encounters with death. By the time I graduated from high school, I had already encountered death in the loss of the family dog, a turtle, three anole chameleons, several different betta fish, I think about half a dozen hamsters, give or take, my grandfather, some extended aunts and uncles, some second cousins, my mother's oldest sister, and so there was time where death was clearly around. And yet, without any judgment upon them, most of the adults in my life tried to, tried to shield me from death. And despite any attempts of doing that, children are rather bright. Children are perceptive. And so when you would walk into a room and all the adults would be doing one of these and fixing their hair, you're not fooled. And when they would whisper in hushed tones and look at you and go, you're not a fool. And so it was that death was around, but we didn't talk about it. So it was that people were dying, people and animals that I greatly loved. And we didn't really talk about what that meant. And I grew up in the church. And then as I got into my collegiate studies and my seminary school, and I started to learn about what the scripture said and what our theology is, I thought to myself, why have we not been talking about this? Because implicitly, as the adults were trying to do something good and helpful with the greatest of motivations, they had actually helped to create a fear that I should be afraid. They seemed afraid. Maybe they were just afraid to tell me. Maybe they were just afraid of how I would take the news. But you ultimately have a choice on how you will react to something. You ultimately have a decision that you have to make. And so as I was confronted with talking about death with my child for the first time, it was terrifying. And he was two years old and his beta fish had just died. And as I'm looking at it, it's obviously dead. And we had gone to feed it. So my son's looking up at me and I'm looking at Jonah. And I look at my son, and you have about three to five seconds to figure out what you're going to say. And generally, when a pet dies of your child, there are two schools of thought. 
You tell them they're sleeping and you replace it. Or you have to be honest. And so I went with honesty. And I told him that his fish was dead. That the fish was no longer with us and that the fish was not going to be with us. And that while we were sad that Jonah was gone, that maybe there would be a day, days from now, where we would get a new fish. Maybe after the hurt had started to heal, that we could remember all the good times we had with Jonah instead of the loss that we felt right now. And he took that surprisingly well. He took it very well. Because our culture isn't one that fosters talking about death. In fact, people who talk about death are considered morbid. And if you talk about death too long, people will tell you to get over it. The longer that we're around death, though, the more we understand that death is one of the greatest opportunities for healing and wholeness. And I know that sounds bizarre. But I have watched families come together after separation at funerals. I have watched people finally lay things to rest and be liberated from the feelings and the resentment and the desire for vengeance. I have watched people find something transformative in these encounters. Now, how many of you have ever heard death comes in threes? Right? My sister said that to me one time. Death comes in threes. And I said, as from somebody who's in the business, death just comes. It doesn't come in threes. It happens all the time. You go onto the road to drive to get somewhere, and there's a deer on the side of the road. You're watching television, and a news flash comes up, and a celebrity has died. The other day, I was wearing um, a knit hat that had um, Princess Leia buns on it. With his haircut, you have to do that. And as I was wearing it out, someone said, Princess Leia died. And I said, well, Carrie Fisher died. <laughs> no, Princess Leia's dead. Okay. We'll just go with that. But people are talking about it in some ways. But are we talking about it in a deep way that lets us be healed? Our scripture is actually a piece of a larger story, which you're probably familiar with if you've spent an extended amount of time in Sunday school or Bible study. The story of Lazarus. And in the story, we find out that word reaches Jesus as he's out ministering and traveling around that Lazarus is sick and that he's likely dying. And the text is very clear. Jesus chooses to tarry two more days. He chooses to stay where he is knowing that Lazarus will die. And he has a discussion with his disciples about this death will bring glory to God. And the disciples don't understand what he's talking about. They're often a little bit behind. And so finally they said, let's go. Let's go see what's going on. And Jesus goes with them. Now, this was not an ordinary family. Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary, are infamous in Scripture. They were well-known and beloved to Jesus and his disciples. They had opened their home to him. He had eaten and slept there. They had given him hospitality when other people were shunning him and calling for his death. They had supported his ministry, probably through monetary donation if they had it. They were very much engaged in the messianic prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. And so when one of them was sick, it wasn't just secondary information to Jesus. 
And so when he got there and Martha comes first to see him, Martha, who is that older sister who has her act together and she keeps the household running in line, she's a little OCD and resonates deeply with me. I appreciate Martha. Martha comes out first to greet Jesus. And she says to him with a deep faith, I know that he will be resurrected. I know this. You have told me this and I believe it. And Jesus says, I am resurrection. I am the life and I will give this to your brother. Do you believe this? And she says, yes. She proclaims to him, just as we would say the creed nowadays, she proclaims to him, you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one sent by prophecy. You are he. And her faith is unshakable in this. And so she runs back to the house to let Mary know that Jesus is here. And Mary, who was always slightly more impetuous, less concerned about getting things done and more concerned about being in the moment. Mary, who was known to sit at the feet of Jesus and bask in his presence and soak in every word, every teaching, who just wanted to be near him. Mary goes running out of the household without telling all the other mourners what was going on. And so they follow her. People who had traveled from Jerusalem, who had come to mourn as was custom and proper, and because they were too invested in the family. They come running out and following her, thinking they're going to the gravesite, and instead they run into Jesus. And she kneels down before him and she says to him, If you were here, you wouldn't have died. And Jesus looks at her, and he looks at all of those who were there too. And our scripture tells us that he was deeply moved, he was troubled in his spirit. Because even though Jesus was human, he was also fully divine. God incarnate in this mortal form, veiled in human flesh. And he knew what it was like to be part of this world. He knew the pain and the suffering and the struggles. He knew how there was a fear of death and what came after. And he looked at them who were at the threshold of death, having just lost one of their own, and seeing their pain and their suffering, and he wept. I believe that every loss is mourned by God in heaven. This was not God's intention that we would live and die. Genesis tells us that we were created in the image of God and given this beautiful creation. And we would have lived forever had our sin not entered into the world. And it changed things. And God has spent thousands and thousands of years trying to fix that. God came to us in Jesus Christ and God said, I will fix this so that death is not your end. And so when he shows up at the tomb and he sees their pain, he empathizes with them and he mourns side by side and shoulder to shoulder with them. Every loss we feel, God feels. Because they too were his beloved. They too had been followed since before the day of their birth. They too were known and named in heaven. And the loss is great. And we try to figure out what to do with this loss. And the world is trying to thrust its decision upon us. Here's how you should handle death. This is what grieving should look like. I believe grieving, grieving is as individual as our faith. 
And I don't have the right to tell you how to grieve. I have known people who have lost a beloved pet that they have raised from infancy, and the next day they went out and got another animal because that was what was right for them. I have known parents who have lost a child and it took them years before they were ready to have another child. One is not right and one is not wrong. Instead, it's about having the space to grieve and to realize that there has been a loss. And what do we do in that space where we're grieving? What happens to us? Well, God takes all the essence of that person that we knew and we loved, that being, and holds it in trust for us. Because we don't mourn like those who have no hope. We of the church know that Jesus has created a space, a time, and a place when death will be undone forever. And as we sit here and we wait, we yearn for the day of the resurrection, when all those who are being held in trust will be restored and returned. We cling desperately to the truth that was revealed to us in the raising of Lazarus, in the raising of Jesus Christ, that we too will encounter this. It doesn't take very long of living in this world to start to have a list of people and beloved that you would like to see returned. There are days where I wish Jesus would show up so I could say, if you had been here, they wouldn't have died. And have Jesus fix it for me. I think we all have those days where there is someone that we could name that we would want resurrected right now. Because in the space that death leaves, there is this void that feels like it will never be filled. There's an emptiness. There's a loss there's a loss for everything we had. There's a loss for everything that could have been. And what do we do with that space? The space that someone we loved carved out in our being, in our lives, in our world. And trying to put anything else in there just feels like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Instead, when these times happen... When this mortal flesh will cease, because it will, God mourns with us. And as Jesus wraps his arm around us, he leans in and very quietly and softly whispers to us, death is not the end. This is not where our story ends. We need to be reassured of that. Every time I officiate a funeral, every single time, I revel in that truth. That the pain and the sorrow and the mourning that happens in sacred spaces just like this will not be the final say. That instead, all that we loved and knew and held sacred has now been turned over to God, the only one capable of keeping it, who never forgets a face or the way someone smiled, who never loses the sound of someone's voice, who knew all of their quirks and their particularities, the things that made them uniquely them, and has promised 
to restore that to us. There are customs and societies and religions all over this world that don't have that belief. And God help them when they mourn. For I don't think it's enough that one day I will be in some kind of presence of some sort. I don't think it's enough that one day we'll all be ethereal spirits floating around. The Bible promises me a body. The Bible promises you a body. It promises that our loved ones who have gone before will have a body. Because I have people I want to hug. I have people I want to see. I want to hug my great-grandmother and smell Chanel number 5. Those little quirky things that made life special. Those are the things that we are promised because of a bodily resurrection. And Jesus raised Lazarus to show us that it can and will be done. Death is not the final say. Where death wants to put a period, God has erased it and has put ellipses for all eternity. We are here because we have encountered a God who is eternal. And God created us to be that way too. And our day will come. Until then, we cannot fear death. We cannot fear what is on the other side. What is on the other side is God. And God is moving heaven and earth to make sure that we are safe that we will find peace and that we will encounter what the blessings of heaven truly are, unmitigated by sin, evil, and suffering in this world. It's the best theology I have ever seen of death. And it is ours. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.